0: OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope.
1: If it works for you, then it must be time to do a podcast. I'm ready. Aren't you always? Yep. This is the On same time. guy. This is the same guy seven minutes late. You know what though? I, I, That's eight minutes early in my world. And I got to be honest with you. As hard a time as I'm giving you for it, it's just because the guest was here before you, so I could for effect. Of course, anything within ten minutes. I mean, even fifteen. I live my life by the ish, buddy. Like, come on, your full time job is all about hitting the time. I know. This is what drives. This is my excuse for everything else being ish, right? <laughs> Thirty seconds. Yeah, you know all I'll that crap.
0: It. Exactly. Anyway, uh, why are we doing this again? Um, I think it's because I needed to to itch the itch, you know of Getting behind a microphone and uh, talking junior hockey.
1: It's when you watch that, particularly the first round of the OHL entry draft or the NHL entry draft, uh, but the draft in general, that you see all these players that we have the privilege, truly, of watching 68 nights per season get the next step towards that big dream. I, I agree with you. I, I sit there and I want to do a podcast
0: live during the draft because it gets me so excited. And normally we probably could, but this year, wasn't many OHL guys going in the first round. We would have been going, uh, don't know about that one. Don't know about that one. I hear this. Kako's pretty good. So speaking of time,
1: is it time for another summit on the state of hockey in this nation? Because I'll tell you, It was obvious to anybody paying attention that the first round was dominated by players coming out of the U.S. National Team Development Program. And Brian Burke talked on the Sportsnet broadcast about being around for the very beginnings of that back in 1996 and what the U.S. was trying to do. And we know from various Olympics over the years that the United States is not shy about investing money, cold, hard cash into sports because they take great pride in producing great athletes. And when you look at what the US NTDP did in terms of producing first-round NHL talent, you got to be asking, if you're the rest of the world, did we just get lapped and how do we catch up? I don't think so.
0: I really don't. I mean, it was last decade where Canada won five straight world juniors. That was a decade ago. Yeah. Now is now. Well, and they've won two in the last four years. I don't really think it's like, you know, uh, yeah, it's a down year for the Ontario Hockey League and the CHL in the draft for sure. But everybody goes through ebbs and flows. I don't really think a, a, a summit is really needed. I think a lot of times you look at some of the Americans that have been drafted in the last couple of years, they're sons of Canadian players that <laughs> now settled in the States. And I, I think that's bound to happen. I think uh the, the National Development Program south of the border has done a fantastic job. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They're producing some fantastic hockey players. But if you were to look at perhaps the top five players in the NHL, I bet you three of them are Canadian. So I don't really think there's anything to worry about. Yeah, I don't think there's any need to wring hands over this.
1: If anything else, I'd call this good for the game because you want to see high-quality players being produced everywhere. That speaks to the global nature, the
0: international flavor of the game today. Hey, or maybe our country is going through a transition into a basketball country right okay, now. Okay, settle down. One championship does not a dynasty make. I'm I know that. It was I'm just fun, saying though. lots of en- lots of NBA players being taken in that MB- NBA or lots of Canadian players being taken in the NBA draft over the last 5 years.
1: And I think that speaks to the ebb and flow you're talking yeah. about. And and listen, we talk about this all the time and really if there if there needs to be a reckoning when it comes to the sport that we all love so much, that being hockey, we do have to start really seriously considering the cost because it is 100%. a game that belongs to the wealthy, quite frankly. That, you know, you, you, you got to go through some, well, I, I don't have to document it. We all know that. So basketball, what do you need? Pair of shoes and a ball.
0: Yep. Same as soccer. soccer, right? Right. Christine Sinclair, our national women's team has a chance to win a World Cup right now. Soccer is easy to get into basketball shoes in a basket in a peach basket if you're James Naismith that's all you really need rugby's cheap right and Canada being a melting pot there's lots of activities for people to do outside of the the health concerns that come with hockey the the constant um closing of the eyes if you will or the blinders by the National Hockey League and Hockey Canada when it comes to concussions. Uh, the price tag that goes along with it and the, the belief in this country that your kid needs to be playing a high level in order to make it to that next step. And so when parents put their kids in hockey, well, now they want to play AAA. Okay, well, now that's thousands of dollars. Now they want to play summer hockey. They need to do that. Well, that's a couple more thousand dollars. It's an expensive sport to play and one that there are alternative options for sure. I do
1: want to say this much on on this front, and that is I'm not ready now or I don't think ever to live in a Canada that doesn't think hockey first. And I'm not saying it's going there, but I think it could. I think the argument, right? I think we have seen certainly from even when you and I were kids, it's, you know, it's, it's dropped down along the way because, again, of the popularity of all these other sports and the ease of access for entry to those sports. You know, I don't want to be sitting around in my rocking chair when I finally retire from this thing. and and not have hockey be first and foremost on people's minds. But I'll tell you how much of the Stanley Cup final I watched this June.
0: How much? None. Well, I saw Game 7 because game. it worked out very well. Yeah, I watched a bit of Game 6, realized that we're going to see a Game 7, flipped it off. There's no interest for me. I, and I think we're probably the anomaly because of how much we follow junior hockey. I feel like I don't even do NHL uh, fantasy anymore. <laughs> I don't follow it. I, I don't follow it anymore. I don't have a real favorite club like I. Cheer for the Red Wings, sure, but I don't have uh, like a real allegiance to them. I could tell you maybe three players on their team. It's not like I'm you know headfirst into it the way we are in this Ontario Hockey League. I also think that it does come down to that almighty dollar, and it's an expensive sport to play. And as long as it's going to be that expensive, fewer people are going to enroll. And as we look at it, we it's no or it's known that it's increasingly difficult to get to that National Hockey League to get to the pro ranks. Are you willing as a parent to put that much money behind your kid just for the the kid to get hurt or to fizzle out or lose the love of the game? There's a lot of stuff that goes into it when it comes to mental health, physical health, and I think that I think parents are seeing that sign more than ever.
1: One more thing on the first round particularly of the NHL entry draft before we hear from our guest who was a third rounder in this year's NHL draft and that is the story of Arthur Kaliev. Here's a guy that we watched, we have watched in this league, 51 goals last year. And he sat there and he sat there and he sat there to not hear his name in the first round. How surprised are you?
0: I mean, I don't know if surprised is the word. Like I was a little surprised. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, how is he falling this far? It was like, well, we've heard the chatter. There was concern about Arthur Kaliev's game, him as a person, there was silly talk of how old he is, really, stuff like that. I like Arthur Kaliev as a player. Does he have room to grow? Absolutely. Is he an offensive threat? Yes. I think that those type of players tend to fall at times, and I was a little shocked to see him fall as far as he did, um, and it got a little silly at one point towards the end, but I think the LA Kings are going to be sitting there laughing before long.
1: They, it was it was the LA Kings and Rob Blake that talked earlier in that first round about character and compete being the two qualities they look for over and above everything else. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know anything about Arthur Kaliev off the ice, but that would indicate to me that if the other 30 teams or most of them are kind of following that same playbook, then they weren't quite seeing the character and the compete out of Arthur Kaliev that they wanted to see out of their first rounders or their other high picks.
0: I know for a fact there are NHL teams out there when they do their interviews at the Combine and throughout the year when they build their list, there are teams out there that put an asterisk beside players and write D-N-D-A. Do not draft attitude. And they will not draft that person. I'd be curious to know how many people had that next to Arthur Kaliev's name.
1: I will say this. We were given a, I think it was the preseason poll uh, for OHL media that asked the question, which OHLer will go highest, will be picked first in the following June's this past NHL entry draft, and I took Arthur Kaliev, not Same. Thomas Harley or Harley Thomas, as he was announced when his name was
0: called, who became the first the highest drafted OHLer, defenseman out of Mississauga, and I think he'll always be known now as Harley Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy. Uh, I, I mean, it, your though. big
1: moment, and that's what we're going to remember. Harley comma Thomas. It's been, there's been worse. And then
0: you could hear in the background,
1: it's Thomas Harley.
0: There, there's <laughs> definitely been worse. Um, but no, I, I had Kaliev going first from the Ontario Hockey League too, and he, he had a great season. But that's I, I, I think NHL teams saw something that they didn't like. And in that moment, there are a lot of people that they're willing to take a chance on. And I think I'm a strong believer in your first round pick. You need to hit a home run. There's no singles. There's no suicide squeeze. It needs to be a home run in your first round. Maybe even your second. You need to get a in your first round for sure. It not, either needs to be a top six or a top four or a starter in goal. And apparently, the National Hockey League brass didn't believe that Arthur Kaliev would be that guy, or were skeptic of him because of the things that we have heard. I and you haven't spent enough time around Arthur Kaliev to know the ins and outs of what makes him who he is, but there apparently were enough concern to let him fall. And yes, he falls and yes, the media talks about it, but at the end of the day, whether you're taken first or in the seventh round, it doesn't matter. It is what you do after. What does he do now? Does he change? Or does Jack Hughes not give as much effort? Does it, it doesn't matter. It matters what you do after you are drafted. Thomas
1: Harley, Harley Thomas, no matter which way you say it, it's a very easy-to-pronounce name. We should give shout-outs to local kids Cole Schwint and Kian Washcorrect for being drafted into the National Hockey League. Our guest on this week's episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast is the highest Kitchener Ranger drafted in this year's NHL entry, one of two Rangers to go. He's been called all kinds of names, most of them favorable. I always thought it was Vukajevic
0: <laughs> before we met him. His teammates just call him Vooks. Vooks, did they not have tighter jeans for you? <laughs> I didn't notice. What are you talking about the poor
1: guy's jeans for? It's called style popper. <laughs> We'd wear, well, we would wear tight jeans, too. It's just not by choice. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I can get one more season out of these.
1: There we
0: go. Tell me about it.
1: All right, listen. I know that Poper set this whole thing up, but I, there are two burning questions that I need to start with. Okay, we'll get them out of the way, and then, then we're off to the races with Poper. Question number one. The pronunciation guide in the OHL says Vukovic. It's been called Vukajevic. It's been called Vukovic. Clearly, and for once and for all, for the record, how do we pronounce
2: your last name? I've heard everything from (laughs) Vukovic. It's crazy how many people butcher it, but the correct way is Vukovic. Vukovic. And that's the ethnic way.
1: That's the way we will say it from now on. OHL pronunciation guide,
0: be damned. I thought you were going to ask him how to say his first name, and I was going to ridicule you. It's Michael. (laughs) That one
1: I get, because I know one or two (laughs) of those. Exactly.
0: Okay, the other burning question.
1: Have your knees or your legs stopped shaking? Because you said when you got the call from the New
2: Jersey Devils, your knees, or your legs are shaking. They were not, like, they were non-stop shaking. It was crazy. As soon as I sat down in my seat, I was shaking my legs, and my dad was like, relax, you need to stop shaking your legs, you're going to put a hole through the ground. <laughs> and then when I got up to the podium for the interview, I was shaking, and before I went on there, um, Natalie Shaver, the photographer, she was asking me, she's like, are you all right? Like, you nervous? I was like, yeah, I'm all right. And I I'm just <laughs> shaking, and they asked me, and I said still the nerves going through me was just so exciting
0: to be around you um anyone who has been I think one of the immediate things that comes to mind is that smile that you constantly wear on your face you are always smiling enjoying life you know there are bad days right people have (laughs) (laughs) not if you're Michael Vukovic that's for sure
2: did it get bigger when you heard your name 100% um I was nervous the whole day um not hearing my name yet and just anxiously waiting so Um, To hear my name, I had a big smile on my face. I kept it cool um, right when I got picked, hugging my family and thanking them for the support. But as soon as I got to the stage, I don't think I stopped smiling for the next three hours. You're out there. and Take us through what is it like
0: sitting in the stands and you're watching picks one through whatever go. What's it like sitting there and just waiting? Is this going to be it? Is this going to be it?
2: It's nerve-wracking. Um, so sitting through it and um, and seeing all the players being picked and, and the teams that you had a good feeling about, um, when they're up, you're you're sitting extra anxious and extra nervous. Oh, is it going to be me? Am I going to get drafted in the NHL by this team? And then um, you don't get called, and it's a little disappointing, but you got to sit there and know your time's coming, and um, in the end it all worked out, and I'm happy, happy as I could be. I wouldn't be happier.
1: I, w- I want to ask about those teams that you might have had a good feeling about because I think hockey fans kind of get it you've got an agent there are scouts that are at every game so you would have had conversations with teams prior to the draft what other teams were gauging some
0: interest in you
2: i had a good feeling with uh, colorado and pittsburgh and and tampa bay and new york rangers and as well as new jersey had a great feeling with them and they ended up drafting me
0: what leads to those good feelings because you're being interviewed
2: by these teams what are those interviews like Real personal conversations, so nothing straightforward hockey, but um, getting to know you as a person, having good conversations, a couple laughs, um, having a good feeling you would with anyone else where you get good vibes from that person or or that group of people. Did you get any weird questions? I had a couple weird questions with Montreal. They asked me a couple funny ones. Yeah, that's Montreal. What do you expect?
0: (laughs) Can you you tell us what they
2: were? The One was a scenario about a contract. Um, It was a hypothetical question where I can throw something into a box and they draft me or give me a contract, and if I missed, I wouldn't get it, but if someone else had the opportunity, if they missed, I'd get the contract. So what I would do, if I would let them take the shot, or I'd take the shot myself. Um, so it was just seeing what you would do and why. You, you took reason. the shot, didn't you? I took the yeah. shot. Of course you took the shot. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing you, you want that shot. Of course. Right? You want you're on your own fate and be in your hands, and not and leave it to someone else's failure. Yeah, I believe it was uh, some cheesy
1: sports movie somewhere along the way. It was a football movie where the the head coach or the GM was saying he wants the player that wants to have the ball in his hands with less than two minutes to go and the team down. Like, you want to you be that guy.
2: For sure. You want to be the guy, and you want to you control your own destiny and, and be in charge of your life. You don't want to leave it up to someone else because it's your decisions and, and what you have to deal with. We're here on
0: Monday, and you're wearing a red and black flannel button-up. Did you wear that because of your allegiance <laughs> with
1: the Devils? He's got more Devils colors than P.K. Suhman <laughs> so far. <Yeah>. No
2: doubt. <laughs> well, uh, it goes with my outfit. Yeah, okay, um, fair. Checkered shoes and my skinny jeans, as you mentioned, <laughs> um, but having the black and in uh, the red and, and knowing those are jersey colors is is awesome, and I'm, I'm proud to wear them. I'm sure it wouldn't have mattered, you know. Good
1: feelings about teams aside, uh, any one of the 31 teams, you're fulfilling a hockey dream by being drafted into the National Hockey League. But I can't help but think right now, and I mentioned PK already. How about Jack Hughes? Now you add Michael Vakoyevich to the mix. I mean, this is a team right now in New Jersey that seems to be trending up. It's got to be a pretty good feeling to be heading to this organization.
2: It's awesome. Um, It's a great organization already. And and adding those players and Jack and PK Subban, um, it's only going to get better. And I'm excited to be part of it in the next coming years. And um, I'm excited for the future.
0: Your name was called just a few weeks after your birthday. Safe to say this is the best birthday present you've ever gotten? I guess you could say
2: that is, uh, Two weeks after the date, I believe. Um, so it's awesome being an 18-year-old kid drafting the NHL. Um, couldn't, couldn't imagine this. Do you get those skinny jeans for your birthday too? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to keep coming back. It's got to keep coming back to the know. jeans. Maybe I should have worn some baggier pants today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I didn't notice it till Poper mentioned that. Oh, and I wish he hadn't. Hard him. not to. <laughs> um... When one of my friends was drafted uh, to the National Hockey League, we let's say we threw a party of sort. Which what do you uh, have planned with family and friends here? I know you're still training. You were in the gym today, I saw. Yep. Um, yeah. But what, what what do you guys have planned?
2: Nothing too crazy. Um, the night of the draft, my family went out for for dinner and celebrating. Um, and then um, wasn't didn't have any friends out there. My billets as well, so celebrated with them um, and enjoyed the moment with them. And was was happy I could share with them and, and not have it to myself and to be able. to to share with the people that helped me get to, to where I'm at today. Um, but with my friends, probably hang out with a couple friends and, and have a little celebration.
1: This is obviously a huge step in the career, a milestone, but it's still just that, right? It's one more step. What do you have to do now? What do you focus on to take that next step, which of course would be the entry level contract and then a professional career?
2: Yeah, I believe that uh, this is just an opportunity. Um, and I got to make the most of my opportunity with New Jersey. Um, they believe in me, so um, to not let them down and to work harder than I have ever before, and um, to be a better player than I was before and and show um, why I was a great pick and and why I deserve to be there
0: after you're drafted and you're you know you're talking to people with new jersey what What are those conversations like?
2: they're just uh, pretty straightforward. Um, Um, welcoming me to the organization. Um, I was expressing how excited I was, how honored I was to be drafted by an organization like New Jersey. Um, And they were all friendly and and great. It was in the suite with uh, a bunch of the the members of the team, so it was awesome.
1: What was it like out in Vancouver? You and I were talking off-air, first trip out
2: west. What was it like being there? It was beautiful. Um, I've only been out west a couple times to uh, Edmonton and Calgary for for hockey, so I didn't really do much sightseeing. Uh, But being in Vancouver... um, It was a great city, um, beautiful downtown um, with the water, the mountains, and the tall buildings, and the beautiful nature. So um, being able to go around there, and me and my brother and sister actually rented bikes and went around Stanley Park. It's awesome. And went through Stanley Park. So to enjoy that and and see the the beautiful city that it is um, was was awesome.
0: It's one of those things that if you are going out west, you have to rent the bikes and bike around Stanley Park. The seawall? I didn't. No? Do I do I look like I've ever been on a bicycle, <laughs> honestly? Fair. <laughs> um we we talked a bit about, you know, the moves that New Jersey made uh at the draft. It was probably the most active team at the draft. You pick up a guy like PK Subban. obviously your position. Do you think about what it could be like to you know, PK likes to hop up ice, you have some offensive side to of your game, but you're a shutdown defenseman as your as your core. Do you have a does the brain go there right away like holy cow i could one day maybe be pk's d partner
2: yeah pk suban a uh, great canadian hockey player uh, played in the nhl played in montreal so being familiar with him and, and obviously how great of a player he is he's won the norris Trophy. so um to have that opportunity to potentially play with him one day is is special and something you would dream about as a kid to play with your favorite nhl players he wasn't my personal favorite but i obviously loved watching him and, and seeing him in montreal and, and when he was in nashville as well so to have that opportunity and to look forward to potentially playing with him is um, something I couldn't imagine. Who was your favorite? Probably Sidney Crosby. Just the hockey yeah, icon. Yeah, you guys play Canada. similar styles. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes, you can see it in him, right? <laughs> My player comparison a little bit.
1: You know, I, I think, Michael, some people might forget that it hasn't even been two full seasons in the Ontario Hockey League yeah. for you, right? You come over midway through uh, what was then your rookie year and then of course, finished off the last season as a full season in Kitchener. But you came into the league with a Rangers team that was loaded up and making that run. And then you're with a team that had lost a lot of those veteran players and kind of took a step back and did a little bit of a rebuild. What was it like for you as a player from how you came into this league to going through as almost one of those stabilizing influences on the back end in your second year?
2: It was awesome. I mean, we had two different teams with um, the run we made in the first year and, and that was, wasn't was the end result, but it was a lot of fun. Um, met a lot of players uh, and, and friends now um, that I can look up to and, and still keep in contact with and, and go to for advice and information. Um, and then for this year, playing with a bunch of the same guys um, minus a couple exceptions that are now in the American Hockey, we and on to, to bigger things and, and furthering their careers. Um, but to play for, for this team this year was awesome and to have that opportunity on the back end and and play the minutes I did in the situations I did um, really helped me going into my draft year and playing in my draft year and um, ended up helping me get drafted by New Jersey.
0: Now being drafted to the National Hockey League does that make your decision to come to the OHL one that you're like I made the right
2: decision? For sure Um, when I made the decision I felt it was the right decision I um, never regretted it throughout my whole time in Kitchener I'm grateful for the opportunities grateful for the organization and the city and the fans that we have here so um being drafted after playing in kitchener is just i guess the staple and, and the cherry on top you look up and down that
1: bench uh in behind you as a player and you've got nhl experience right on down and of course the head coach is uh was a, a stay-at-home defenseman with a long nhl career what have you learned from jay mckee
2: a lot of things um just how he was a player and shut down guy and that's a player that i can be in the nhl if uh if I put my mind to it and I work hard, um, to learn from him and how to um, accept that role and play that role and, and be successful at that role like he was, was awesome. And going to him for advice every day and um, working in practice and teaching uh, through video and, and learning from mistakes has really helped my game. We talked about last year and, and or I guess two
0: years ago now, your, your rookie season where uh, you guys lost to the Sioux in the Western Conference final. A big guy on the back end, both figuratively and literally, Logan Stanley, you played with guys like Austin McEnany an Overager at the time, Connor Hall, who had been there and done that, drafted to the National Hockey League. What do what, How easy was it to make that transition into the league because of those type of guys?
2: It made it a lot easier and a lot smoother, um, having those guys that have been through it and, and helping me uh, day in and day out, staying calm, staying in the moment, um, making the most of my opportunities was awesome, especially Logan and, and Connor being defensemen. Um, I was playing with Logan, so I went to him a lot for advice and um he kind of showed me the ropes when I got to Kitchener.
1: Speaking of Logan, how did you feel with less than a minute to play in that game seven when he oh. scored the big goal to send you guys to overtime against the Sioux?
2: To be honest, I didn't even watch it. I had my head down on the bench <laughs> praying. And then I heard I heard our bench cheer and I got up and started celebrating. Didn't even know what happened yet until I looked up on the scoreboard and, and saw the replay and I mean, to keep us alive was was awesome and um it didn't end out the way we wanted, but to have that moment and, and share that with my teammates and and we worked so hard for that, so it was, it was really special. I know you were just drafted to the NHL, which is a dream come true, but I
0: think unless you do something crazy this year or if we see you another year, I think the one thing that I will remember when people talk about Michael Vukovic is that play. <laughs> I know the one he's talking yeah, about. That we saw on home ice in the playoffs. You were on the bench side of the ice at the <laughs> offensive blue line. Something happened. A player is on a breakaway. You come flying out of nowhere, two hundred and forty pound Mack truck coming down the ice. <laughs> 205. Yeah, two whatever. <laughs> you know, skate.
1: 205, yeah. yeah.
0: What a normal skating in quicksand, all of a sudden you look like Greg Morellis out there. You come diving head first, swing the puck or your stick hits the puck and break up the breakaway. No penalty. No penalty. Unbelievable play. I lost it on the broadcast. What was going through your mind when that was happening? <sighs> besides
2: be oh crap <laughs> <laughs> seriously I saw the pass being made I was like no way there's someone back there and then I turned around and I think it was Taylor Radish he was standing our blue line and he had the puck and he was going on a break when I said oh the game's <laughs> on the line here this is the series um I trusted my goalie but um didn't want to get to that point so um did everything I could and and I, I don't know how I got that fast or how I made it back but um just made the play and was happy I did (laughs) I ended up winning the game in overtime so it was awesome do you remember what some of the people said to you when you got back to the bench Honestly, I don't. It was
0: black out from there for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> my my work here is done. Yeah. He says,
1: "What's the summer like for uh, a now NHL drafted hockey player?" Again, you and I were chatting just briefly off the air. You've already been to Sweden. You're back here in Kitchener today as we record this. You got the workout in. You visited uh, Dan Liebold, the head trainer with the Rangers. Your Billet family, etc. But New Jersey's camp's going to open soon. Is there any downtime? What goes into the workouts to get you ready for the next year? All of that stuff.
2: Well, my summer—I haven't really had any downtime with being in Sweden and then training for the combine and being at the combine and, and still finishing up high school. I just finished my last exam last week, so um, I guess you could say I'd have downtime. But now I got to train for for camp, so there's not really downtime yet. My summer hasn't started, but how the exams go? They were good. I only had one. Okay. Um, got out of the other two because I was at the draft. Boy, lucky me! <laughs> but just working out and skating and staying in good shape and and being ready to go and perform at camp at at Will and and showing and being successful there
0: we talked a bit about your rookie season and then your sophomore season here in Kitchener and anyone who was around the team whenever we would do interviews with Jay or a a teammate of yours it often came up just how tight-knit last
2: year's group was Mm -hmm. what was it like inside that dressing room it was a brotherhood like a family um we were super close and and would die for each other we were all friends there was no no one man left out um we were super close and would do anything for each other and playing with a team like that would give you more success than, than not. So um, being on that team and that tight-knit team and, and that hard-working team, that was our staple for our team. Um, we weren't the most skilled team, but we worked hard every night and I think that's where we found a lot of our success. So being on a family like that, um, which we should have next year as well, um, and we should, we're should we looking forward to next year for sure, but having that tight-knit group was a lot of fun and, and found very, a lot of success.
0: Have you ever been part of that before?
2: A tight-knit group like L- that? Like that, yeah. Every team I play on is like a family, but I think last year was exceptionally um, tighter than the other ones um, just due to how the year before we were in the Western Conference Finals, Game 7, double overtime. I think we felt that heartbreak together and coming into the next season, we had that that hurt still in our hearts and, and still remembered it and the pain that we had. But um, to come back and have a lot of those guys again, we, we really grew. I remember having a conversation just as an aside with
1: Jay McKee during your first year when you had just come to the Kitchener Rangers, and it was obvious. We kind of joked about you being a man-child because physically it's always been there for you. You step into this league at your size, this league I mean the OHL, and you're one of the biggest guys out there. Now that you are headed to a pro camp with the New Jersey Devils, and I mean you just mentioned a minute ago, you just finished high school. Have any nerves set in yet about the kinds of guys you're going to be on the ice with? Not really. Um, hasn't set in,
2: at least. Yeah. Um, haven't really thought about that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, <thanks. laughs> you put it in your head. We talked about the play. He doesn't have nerves. Yeah, right. <laughs> but just going there, knowing there's going to be older, bigger, stronger guys, um, but just making the most of the opportunity. Um, you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get, or if you're ever going to get one again, so... To do the best that you can and, and to own the moment and, and make the most of your opportunity, I think that's what I'm going in there with my goals to be and to be the best player I can be um, and to, to prove why I should be there. What do you expect from yourself this season? Just, oh, that's a tough question.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: it's like he's with an NHL club and he wants to put a box in front
2: of you. Yeah. throw the contract or you don't. or Yeah, there you go. Um, but Just to be an impact player um, that I have been for the last two years but um, to a higher degree. Um, have more impact and, and be a, more of a leadership role this year. Um, being an older guy and going into my third year and um, out of high school, so being at the rink uh, twice a day, um, I'm really expecting myself to be a leader and, and a staple in the back end and, and really help our team win games. And we should have a strong team, so eventually hopefully meet our end goal in winning an OHL championship and being a part of that and being a big part of that. When you think back, Michael, to everything that went
1: into getting you to this point of your hockey career... How do you think your family
2: feels about this accomplishment, getting drafted? I think the biggest thing is that they're proud of me, um, and I'm thankful for them as well. Um, but proud would be the word I would use because they sacrificed so much for me. My my parents, my brother, and my sister had to sacrifice for for me to chase my dreams and and work towards my goals and and to have this um, milestone in being drafted. I think it's a relief um, and a sense of. Um, of pr- being proud um, of their son and, and being proud of me and I'm thankful for them as well.
0: Another uh, teammate of yours was drafted, Greg Morales this year. Uh, you've seen him in practice. You've seen him for a year and a half now. How happy were you for a guy like Greg?
2: Oh, I went nuts. We were in the, I was in New Jersey suite after the draft, um, just meeting a couple, play, um, a couple of the team members and I saw his name go up. I, saw, I heard his name get called and I was like, no way, like what? And then I looked at the screen I saw Greg Morales and I absolutely lost it. I went to my parents I was like, Greg got drafted, Greg got drafted. <laughs> and uh, cause he got dropped by Florida, and um, I mean, it was awesome. And to see him get that opportunity, um, knowing the kind of person he is and the kind of player he is, I think he deserve he deserves it for sure. Um, and to see him, I know he'll do well at camp, and I'm hoping um, he earns his contract, and I'm sure he will. Um, he has great tools, and he's a great player, a great person, so I wish the best for him.
0: Real quick on that, you mentioned the kind of person and player that he is. Greg is the type of person that, in media, he doesn't say a whole lot, keeps it pretty tight lipped, short answers. What is Greg like as a person and as a teammate?
2: He's a fun guy to be around. You see the Kauai things, fun mm-hmm. guy. Greg's like a fun guy. <laughs> a fun guy. <laughs> Greg's like Kawhi Leonard. Um, but he's an awesome guy, uh, really down to earth, um, likes to joke around, but he's also serious at the right moments, um, getting ready for games. Um he's super serious and super focused. he knows what his goals are and and he doesn't stop till he achieves those and I think that goes to say what kind of player he is in the ice is a hard working player um down to earth and and does his job along those, effectively along
1: those lines. sorry, but everybody's talking about Kawhi making sure or trying to get him to stay.
2: Can you reach out to Greg and say, hey, one, one more year, Greg, because, you know, that OHL championship thing. I went for breakfast with, uh, with Halsey this morning, and we were talking about Greg and how great it was that he got drafted, and, and he mentioned that he might not be back. So I was, I was saying, I was, oh, damn, like, he's not going to be back. But, I mean, at least it's for a good reason. He might be onto better things and, um, and playing some better hockey. So I'm happy for him, but I'm also disappointed in him. I want him back for one more year. On that note, one of four possible overagers for this hockey club,
0: Morales, Gareffa, Yances, Richardson. Obviously a tough situation. Greg's play may land him a pro spot. Yances' play may land him a pro spot. Joe, down the road, whatever three are there, this team is going to be strong with those overagers. Riley Damiani signs his pro contract. This could be his final year. Do you now look at this and go, let's go for it this year?
2: 100%. Yeah. Um I think we have the team to do it and the horses to do it. So um having players like you previously mentioned, um uh, I believe that we can make a run and, and we should make a run. Um obviously how our how we play in the first half is gonna determine that, but I believe this is a team that, that can make a run and, and do some great things. Michael, we're super proud of you.
1: We really are. We we feel this kind of ownership of the players on this team and i don't mean that in a bad way but just it's like we're part of the family with you and always happy to see the success so thanks for making time for us today and uh go get them at camp buddy thank you so much (laughs) thanks for having me
0: don't do too well though yeah
1: right (laughs) okay not too well (laughs) i'll be back don't worry (laughs) leave it to you to notice
0: the pants seriously they are so tight I didn't even notice. They were so tight. Honestly. I liked the black and white checkered shoes he had on, no laces. Also didn't notice the shoes. Oh well Maybe I'm more into fashion than you. I guess I'm you really are. not, but it's be I don't the know what I don't know what that says. <laughs> I, I I really don't. But here we are. He's I, I appreciate him taking the time. I said to him um, at before the draft, I said, Hey, I know you're gonna be crazy busy out there, but if you have a second, you wanna give us a call after I was going to do an interview for 570 News, write an article. And uh, he, he said, how about I come in live and do it in the studio Monday? Sure. <laughs> Why not? It's perfect. He loved it. It was good. I He's he's always been a, a joy to talk to. And I always go back to uh, when the Rangers um, signed their third round pick, Isaac Langdon. We were on the bus two years ago with Books And he said, oh, did you see we signed this Langdon kid? And I said, yeah, they say. He's the Rangers' best third rounder they've drafted in years. And he kind of took a second and looked at me. And he goes, hey! hey. And I'm like, it's funny because you were taking that same round. I think it was second rounder. They're both second rounders. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> he didn't really get it right away that I was making taking a shot at him, but he got it after. He had a good chuckle.
1: So from second rounders to a Kitchener Rangers first rounder who didn't come to the Ontario Hockey League in what could have been his rookie season and who was coming off a 97-point campaign. I thought he was going to make it to 100. He fell just short, but he did not fall short at the draft. We just talked about him a little bit in that interview with Michael Vukovic. Greg Morales in the sixth round to the Florida Panthers, and I think the big question is, again, what we touched on with Vakoyevich in that interview. I don't know that Greg Morales comes back to Kitchener now. He gets a contract. That's it. They'll send him to the American Hockey League, I believe. I don't know. Well, why? I, why else? See, if you're take, my, my take on this is if you're taking him this deep, so he's a sixth rounder, you're, you're it's almost like a bit of a flyer. You've got a guy that's shown that he can do stuff. You've know, you, you seen enough to like. If you're going to sign his name on a contract now, I think you want to see what he can do in the American Hockey League.
0: Right. I don't think he gets a contract before the season starts. Maybe not. I think he gets one during the season, sent back to Kitchener to start the season, gets the contract during the season, and then after his overage season as a Ranger, then moves on to the pro ranks. I think they want to see 97 points was nice for Greg Morales. It's a heck of a coming out party for him. Can he do it again? Well, that, And I think that's going to prove whether he gets a contract or not. I think that's the only question,
1: quite frankly, left for that kid to answer.
0: Can he do it again? Yeah. Because it was a coming out party, it for was. sure. You just want to know what kind of player he is. Because Greg can play in your top six, or he can play in your bottom six. He's a great penalty kill guy, fast, works his tail off. Third or fourth line guy, he can play those minutes. He can, he can play physical. We've seen him. He loves that physical edge to his game. And that's when he's at his best, in my mind. Um, it's just a matter of where he slides in for that Florida organization and if we see another repeat of a former Ranger and the Florida Panthers who couldn't get it done, a la Adam Askren.
1: It's uh, it's an interesting situation now for Kitchener. Obviously, if Greg Morales gets a contract and goes to the American Hockey League, that solves the overage problem, if you can call it that, in Kitchener, because there are currently four players who could come back as OAs. If Greg isn't there, you've got your three. If he does come back, the Rangers still have that little problem to work out, though they could carry the fourth overager and just not dress him if they wanted to do that. I doubt that they would. But... I I think it's shaping up to be a very interesting year for the Kitchener Rangers and a year in which they could compete. They probably know, um, of course they know they could. So
0: I don't think they're going to be waiting too long to make decisions as the new season dawns. No, I think we're going to see training camp and and probably the first week of the season before they do though because I don't think they know what they'll have. Of course. Riley Damiani could turn pro. Sure. Jonathan Yansis could turn pro. Greg Morales could turn pro. What happens if all 3 of those guys turn pro? I'm just saying that I don't think this is going to be a year
1: where you see a massive deadline splash. I think no. this team will get certain things sorted out, you know, by October kind of idea so you you kind of have your team, right? Y- yeah. You'll still probably want to add as the as the deadline nears, but I'm I'm thinking for, you know, some of the big moving parts here,
0: right? For- you're going to get it out of the way early. For the record, I envision all those players coming back. I look at last year and I think if Cole Sherwood got sent back, I think those three guys get sent back for another year of junior hockey. If they do, I think, yeah, there's going to be a move to be made in the first month, and then, as Vukovic said, you know the first half of the season will decide for... Or the team's play will decide for Mike McKenzie as to what he does leading up to the deadline. But I also believe he saw... What the uh, the effects of a guy like Sherwood and Logan Stanley did earlier on in the season for his team two years ago, and not just waiting till the deadline and paying a hefty, hefty price. So I think that the, the moves, a couple moves anyway, will be made early on in the season before Christmas for sure. I
1: agree with that wholeheartedly.
0: So, is, real quick, is Reed Vallad going to be drafted to the Florida Panthers eventually?
1: <laughs> Why?
0: Mascarin, Morales Vallad, three first rounders. Please. They're all Florida. <laughs> just foreshadowing listen you heard it here first
1: I I would love to see Reed Vallad have a coming out party of his own this year that kid did everything except score enough goals last year how many times off the crossbar or the post but his attitude and demeanor rarely changed at least not that we saw I hope for big things from him just on a personal level
0: I'm right with you I think the the sophomore season of Sabrango and Vallad and even Isaac Langdon going down I think we're going to see some special things in in Rangers Nation this year, and it is going to be an interesting year. No matter what happens, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions made by Mike McKenzie, and that's once the season starts. I'm sure there could be a couple other ones coming down before the season starts. What? It all starts officially with the uh, preseason
1: showcase, which the Rangers will host once again this year at the Memorial Auditorium or on the Labor Day weekend, so... Get ready for that. Are we going to do another one of these when you decide, or how does this how does this work?
0: Well, I don't know. We talked about during the last pod, the season or the last podcast once the Memorial Cup was handed out, that we may have a couple summer editions. So this is one. We might have another one. You never know. Okay. See what happens. <laughs> Hang tight. Make sure to subscribe and like the Farwell and Pope podcast. You never know when another one might be out.
1: You can uh, find me on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Chris Pope. It's been fun. Tweet us. Let us know when you want another episode. Apparently, we'll just do them willy-nilly. Enjoy the sunshine. It has been fun. I'm going to do that. (laughs) I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast.
0: This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener.